1: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is the Cubs Related Podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined as always by Brendan. And Brendan... We've been talking about it for maybe a month now, but here we are. It's the middle of the week, and we're back talking Chicago Cubs baseball.
0: Feels good. I, I don't know. I, I have to get back in the swing of things. I'm kind of like John Lester out here throwing 88-89. So if I'm a little bit rough, then uh, you know, I'll chalk it up to spring training. Wow, uh, starting the podcast off with a dig at Lester—that's a, a bold choice. But but us not taking a dig. You're the one who was worrying about his velocity last episode. Well, I'm just stating I'm stating facts. I'm not worried about his velocity. You're the one who's who's worried about it. Yeah. Well, we'll
1: see. But I, I feel good. It's you know it's still sunny uh, at least at the yeah, moment here in, nice. in where Brennan and I are in Los Angeles, and we're we're talking baseball. So that that always feels good. I think. And speaking of John Lester. Uh, Allow me to transition on that note uh, to something I'm more than happy to talk about. Uh, We hear between the last time we spoke with y'all that number 34 will be getting the ball on opening day in Texas. So I think that was pretty much a foregone conclusion. Obviously, there's other... Was it
0: though? I don't think it was. Well, I mean, I think
1: there's other worthy candidates in this rotation but it kind of just feels like uh, unless Lester takes a major step back like as long as he's still doing his thing that's going to be his
0: spot until he's not on this team anymore no I get it I honestly if I were to bet on this I I would have given it to Hendricks just on, on on betting alone but uh yeah I mean look Lester getting the nod is is just another Check mark on his illustrious Chicago Cubs career. So yeah, he deserves it. It doesn't really mean anything at the end of the day, but um, still fun to watch.
1: Yeah, and I mean, he talked a little bit in some of the locker room interviews out in Mesa when the beat reporters were asking him about this. That you know, obviously, he's got bigger aspirations and bigger goals, uh, and and you know, he doesn't look at any of this stuff as individual really, uh, especially anymore. Uh, you know, but. I think he, this puts him as, uh, the lefty in Chicago Cubs history with the most of these types of starts, uh, opening day starts. Uh, you know, and he just talked about how that's cool. And especially in a rotation, like we were just sort of mentioning with the other names that he's in this rotation with it, it does mean a little something to him, uh, you know, to consistently get that nod. Interesting though. I, I, Obviously, you're not going to push John to the fore, but I, I think it it's, would have been an interesting narrative, uh, Brendan, had they gone with the three either former major league Texas Rangers or members <laughs> of the organization, uh, had they gone you Darvish, Cole Hamels, and then Kyle Hendricks, who, of course, the Texas Rangers uh, were nice enough to give to the Cubs for Ryan Dempster somehow. So,
0: you know, that's pretty cool, uh, but that's not what they're doing, so— do you remember that that Rangers deal? Not to like sidetrack here, but I, I think it's kind of fun when we bring it up. The uh, the Hendrix dempster deal. Do you remember what happened prior to that deal actually being finalized?
1: Was that the Dempster was going to go for yes. Viscainu
0: on the Braves? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, good call. Yeah. I remember this so vividly because I was so excited. But, yeah, there was a deal in place to send Dempster to Atlanta for Rodi's Um Did not happen. And the rest is history. But also, do you remember who came back in that Rangers deal as well? Is that uh, either CJ or
1: Grimm, right? One of the two.
0: That is for the Matt Garza deal. Ah. But Christian Villanueva came back. Not, not, No noteworthy name there, but that was the highlight of that package. And I remember the moment that we dealt Dempster. I went to Fangrass, I looked up Hendricks. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, a sinker baller, you know low velocity, nothing to be excited about. And oh my God, we were we were all very wrong there. Uh, so it's a nice little trivia for you to uh, start the pot today. Yeah, and I would have to go back on the
1: timeline. I, it was either one or the other, but I was in the Dominican with the Texas Rangers, I believe when the Ryan Dempster trade happens. Um, mm-hmm. Am I going to take credit for Kyle Hendricks and getting him to the Cubs? no. But you can give it to me if you want. I was technically in the Rangers organization. You weren't even in the country. I was not even in the country. Um, I uh, was in the country. I mean, I have more credit to, to bring Hendricks over here than, than you did. You weren't even in the country. I, look, I was down there with the assistant GM, AJ Preller. Did I get in his ear? You know, who knows? Maybe <laughs> I pushed this trade to happening. You, Brendan, you can't prove that I didn't. Um, so... All right. Yeah. Uh, on that note, I actually you know, speaking of the Rangers, just rather quickly, it was in, it was kind of cool to see, uh, Jose Leclerc sign an extension with them. Cause he was actually on that Dominican summer league team when I was there. Uh, so that's like one of those, wow, you know, cool. I, uh, actually got to see that guy when, you know, he was just starting and uh, coming up in that organization. But that's a quick aside. But back to Lester on opening day, I, I did want to read, um, because if, there, if there's anything I appreciate in terms of this current group of Chicago Cubs, it is uh, Kyle Hendricks' personality. And I think that we could all agree that when he lets us see it, it's really one of those special moments, and I just want to read uh, his quote that he gave uh, to Jordan Bastian of MLB.com, who we had on the podcast uh, not too long ago, and Kyle Hendricks was asked about John Lester being named the opening day starter, and Hendricks replied, quote, you know me. I went right into Joe's office and started throwing stuff. And <laughs> again, the the visual of that hypothetical scenario is very funny, but I just love that Hendricks is you know kind of in on the joke that uh you know he has that stoic demeanor and stuff but I I love when we get those little bits of of humor from him
0: yeah it's almost and to be to be fair like I, I think Hendricks personality at least for the first few years the perception was similar to Ian Happ right like when Ian Happ came up there was yeah. another joke oh he never smiles and I mean Ian Happ is one of the more joking guys on on the team so yeah, I don't know. I, I, I understood why why Hendricks got that reputation, but he, he's a pretty funny dude and he's he's very open with the media about whether it's mechanics or just, you know, life in general. I, I, I don't know. I never understood that to be to be honest with you, Corey.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, some of these guys we just see so little of them. You know, we're kind of limited to what we see on the field, what they make gifts of, you know, the interviews that they give. So uh I, I think you know, sometimes we just don't really get a, a good look, but you're, you're definitely right on with the half comparison. I mean, he was, yeah. he was getting compared to kind of like Wade Davis during that 2017 season. Yeah. Just in terms of like, these guys are stoic. Like I remember making a joke, maybe even on this podcast, like, you know, which one of them do you think would be the first to crack a smile? Like if they were, you know, on a yeah. car ride together, it might be neither of them, you know, they might <laughs> like, nobody might crack a smile. So, but anyway, we love funny Kyle Hendricks. Uh, Joe did not announce the rest of the order of the rotation, um, has not confirmed that yet. Though, again, if you're following along, if he stuck with what they've been doing this spring, you uh, Darvish and Cole Hamels would be the other two folks to pitch in Texas for that opening series. Yeah. I would think that both of those guys are into that. I would think that both Darvish and Hamels would want uh, to have a chance to pitch against their former team, though I don't know that anybody should be jumping at the opportunity to pitch in that ballpark. Uh, I'm terrified of our entire pitching staff having to go to that uh, ballpark, which I think
0: is number one in park factors brendan correct me if i'm wrong but it's yeah, definitely up I, I don't there know if it's number one it's o- it's always like in a top five yeah. or or top eight or whatever it's it's
1: a it's a launch pad yeah so like honestly i would have been fine with lester not getting chosen for for that but to be series. fair
0: like if you're gonna play there if you're gonna play in texas at any time of the year it's now yes absolutely. When it's a little bit colder so yeah. you know there's a constellation to play in there now
1: Yeah, that's absolutely true. But anyway, that's your sort of look at where the rotation stands. Obviously, we will uh, update on whether, you know, when Joe uh, officially lays that list down. Uh, We, again, have not gotten confirmation of that as we record on this fine Thursday afternoon. Uh, But Brendan, I want to transition uh, to guys who are not in the rotation, someone who, who used to be, and I think already you guys will know where I'm going with this. I wish I had a better name. I wish I had come up with a better nickname for them, but I I just didn't. Sometimes, you know, Brendan, the creativity just doesn't flow as easily as it does. We tried, though. I we did tried. try. So what I'm going to go yeah. with is uh, the No Walks Brigade, and that group, at least for now, is consistent of Tyler Chatwood, Carl Edwards Jr., and Dylan Maples, and I'm putting them in a group like this. Uh, They all have very different outlooks and I think would potentially affect the 2019 Chicago Cubs in very different ways, but for the rest of this spring training, which is, you know, really only a a couple weeks now, um, we're really looking, it's like literally three weeks as we record this, 21 days uh, until the Cubs open in Texas, but these are three guys who, for the rest of spring training, uh, that's one of the main things I'm going to be looking at. And to this point, in his first start uh, for spring training, which I believe was the second day of Cactus League play this year, Tyler Chatwood walked one batter. Since then, he has not walked any batters. Dylan Maples has walked zero batters in four innings of work uh, so far this spring. And Carl Edwards Jr. has also walked walked zero batters. Now, we will be the first to tell you that, like, this is spring training, especially those guys coming in from the bullpen later in the game. They're going to be facing definitely not top-tier talent uh, a lot of the time, but for these guys, for all of them, if they are able to stay in the strike zone and avoid the free pass, I don't care who they're facing. I'm into it. I'm focused on it. And I, I think it's something to be looking at, you know, and, and I think that of course, yeah, it's it's not really one of those like areas where, you know, and actually you kind of uh, pointed this out to me earlier because they're saying, yeah, Quintana looks good so far, hasn't given up a run yet. And, you know, you said, Brendan, like, well, you know, it's still spring training. Like, let's focus on his velo and how he looks, not necessarily whether he's giving up runs or not. But in the case with these guys, I I don't care that it's spring training. Like, if their mechanics and their delivery is allowing them to throw strikes and keep people off the bases for free, I think that's
0: a big deal. Yeah. And look, what would the alternative be? The alternative would be them continuing to walk, guys. And I I mentioned this on the last podcast episode, but... I don't put too much stock in something unless I actually see a difference in terms of like mechanics, right? And for Chatwood, you know, he's making these obvious changes. He's not doing the glove tap. For Carl Edwards Jr., it's similar. He's doing the Kenley Jansen, uh, Clayton Kershaw delivery type thing. Again, that's a tangible difference. For Dylan Maples, there's nothing like particularly different that we've heard about. I haven't seen him pitch yet. So it's hard to say, but, you know, we know within Arizona, the Cubs actually have this new pitch lab thing um, that we're hearing a lot about. And I think uh, The Athletic and Sahada did a, a great piece on it. If you don't subscribe, just subscribing to read that post is worth your money, in my opinion. And I think in addition to those three guys, Corey, from what we're looking at this spring training, there's so many other changes, like... And no pun intended, but it's Jose Quintana's changeup. He's throwing and trying to develop another pitch. And likewise, so is Carl Edwards yeah, Jr. Yeah, saw point, that. You, yeah, you pointed it out. You were watching a game and you saw this changeup. You're like, what is yeah. this? And like, yeah, you go look at the data. Edwards Jr. threw basically no changeups the last three years. Now he's working on the changeup in spring training. Why is that the case? So I think it's extremely interesting. And in that uh, Sahadev post where he talks about the lab, he mentioned Dylan Maples, and he asked Dylan Maples about the lab. And interestingly, it kind of goes, I think, beyond this discussion per se, but when Maples broke down what he knows about himself from that lab, he knows he can't necessarily attack the strike zone with high fastballs for reasons including... Um, suboptimal spin rate for where he lets go of the pitch Again, you got to go read the post to to see all this, but I think when you get this information and you try to change your approach, your mechanics and you have a month to incorporate these all these adjustments, it's worth following. And so yeah, you have maples you have CJ, you have Quintana, you have all these guys making adjustments and it's worth following. So Rather than looking at the runs prevented or strikeouts or, Corey, even like to a degree, even walks, even though we're highlighting it, it's what they look at that's differently, like what we see that's different. And yeah, if it lines up to be the fact that, hey, we're not giving up base hits or runs or walks, we understand that. But I don't think you should throw that away necessarily like you're saying.
1: Yeah, for sure. And the the pitch app stuff is really interesting. We've talked about some of that stuff before. And, you know, uh, I think especially it came up when we talked about Luke Hagerty kind of like reviving yeah. his career with, with some of these technologies and, and video equipment and things like that. And, you know, my only real thought on it is just I'm glad that the Cubs are embracing this. I'm glad the Cubs are bringing in people, you know, to try to be, um, you know, I don't know if they're going to be at the forefront of it, certainly. This technology has been around. Uh, But, you know, that they're bringing in qualified people and some of the best people to help interpret this data, help translate it to the guys. And, you know, this is the type of stuff that, like, it's important that they do that and they figure out a way to communicate this stuff. Because we've heard John Lester talk about stuff like this before, that, you know, he's not super into this data um, in in a numbers sense. But if they have the people that can communicate to him the physical manifestation of some of this stuff— He'll listen and and he'll pay yeah. attention and he'll 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 do it. He just doesn't want to be told, oh, your spin rate is X, and you know you need to do X, Y, and Z. Just and
0: I and I, I, I under I understand. Yeah, that sure, too. it's hard like, for some of these guys. Absolutely, and I think you know I'm I was never ever considered a baseball prospect, but when I played baseball, I I never liked to have information about the other pitcher, and it messed with me. And you know, with Lester, such a natural like, athlete. I just, you just yes, like to strap it I'm on look, and go. I'm looking fastball, yeah. I'm adjusting. So but but for but for Lester, like you can understand why he thinks like that. If you look at his just overall history, he has problems throwing to first base um and he's a guy who has one of the most uh uh repeatable deliveries in the sport. I mean, look at his tunneling, you look at his tunneling from pitch type to pitch type, they're identical. So for someone like for Lester, yeah, you don't need that necessarily, but um, that that does not come as a surprise. And then you have someone like Hendricks who like dives into that and looks at when he's good and when he's bad, and he tries to change when he's bad based on all these high tech slow mo, high resolution cameras when he's good. And I think yeah, you have a ton of data, but I think what the Cubs are doing that's that's really encouraging is managing that with incredible visuals and actually throwing out the data in a visual interpretable sense and for someone like Hendrix that got him through his 2017 dry spell and that continued on through last year and we saw the same guy that we saw in 2016 so yeah this stuff is really important and it's not for everyone like like Lester was saying and I get that but I think you know seeing again Carl Edwards Jr. incorporate more changeups and Kitana. That's a byproduct of having guys who are on the forefront of this technology and Theo and Jed in the front office hiring the right staff to actually successfully incorporate something like this in, which is it's fun to watch. Yeah, and I and I
1: think this is one of those things where I, I you know, I don't I don't know uh, you know, exactly where to put a hundred percent of the credit or whatever for this stuff being integrated, but I think this is a good example of why you and I, in particular, were quite intrigued by the promotion of Tommy Haddavy to pitching coach. Because, yeah. and you know, this isn't to say, like, look, I'm not I'm not an expert on Jim Hickey. I'm not going to you know claim to really know what he's about or anything. Um, but this just this stuff and really going leaning into this stuff feels like something that is easier to embrace and and going to be more accessible for this organization with someone like Hovy in that role. and it's also why one of the intriguing parts of that hire was that he already had this rapport with the members of this staff and, and I think that the yeah. Lester thing really speaks to that like this isn't some new hip. New age guy, right, coming in from outside the organization and trying to bring this data to them. This is someone that they know, someone that they trust, someone that they've worked with, and someone they've gotten results with. Who is going to be really good at finding a way to say, "Okay, the way I communicate with Cole Hamels or John Lester may be completely different than the way I communicate with Carl Edwards," but. Tommy Haasov should know how to do that. He's worked with these guys before, yeah. so I think that's you know kind of an example of why that uh, promotion was exciting to us.
0: Yeah, and there was one other under the radar move that the Cubs made this offseason, and it was promoting um, this minor league pitching coordinator, coordinator named Brendan Segara or Sagara. And this guy, guys, has like a huge database of high resolution pitch grips of a lot a lot a lot of players so what i've been reading about is brendan Segura goes to other pitchers who are open to to listening and if they want to develop a new pitch hey look they have high quality footage of clayton kershaw or rich hill's curveball grip let's try to play around with that let's include all this high-tech you know stack cast track man data and see what it looks like underneath the microscope. I, I think that's that's the cool part about what the Cubs are doing right now. And even um, for Stiguerra, he's not working with the big league guys per se. He's working with the guys in AAA, in A. AA. And there's another example of Dwayne Underwood Jr. And this, this one was, I think, the highlight of the Sahadev piece. And Dwayne Underwood Jr. was former top draft pick many years ago. Assassin issues was actually up in the, in uh, with the Cubs last year, as we all know, and he's working on a new curveball based on this new pitch grip that Brendan Segura kind of discovered for him. And so far, it sounds as if it's working pretty well for him. Yeah, absolutely. So this this stuff is
1: cool. Um, you know, we'll we'll see how it translates for. All of these guys, and, you know, of course, I think a lot of the organizations are starting to uh, adopt this stuff, so it, you know, may not necessarily be a market inefficiency, but I think the Cubs have have embraced it, and it it sounds exciting to see what they're able to uh, do with this stuff. Particularly, just going back to something that you mentioned, uh, the the Edwards changeup from the other day was was yeah. rather interesting to see. It's it's uh, and he struck out Tommy Listella uh, on said pitch. So, and it was just <laughs> one of those pitches where you know I we don't get the velo reading on the MLB TV, uh, and so I went back and looked at the signal that Wilson drop down. And indeed, we got the four finger wiggle, which uh, unless they have some secret code we don't know about, that means change up.
0: So do you understand the catcher signals? Like even when someone's on second base, and they have like an indicator? Do you understand that? No, not when they're on second okay. base. No, I was just curious. Yeah. But I, yeah, I, I don't mean, obviously the either. standard
1: ones are, are pretty easy. And those of us that have uh, been paid in their lifetime to cut up minor league video, <laughs> I'm pretty well versed in
0: what is uh, what is five whats five fingers? five i'm not positive that might depend on the pitcher okay but like three is what
1: three would be a slider two is curveball one is fastball one with like a little movement or whatever on the finger is usually like a cutter okay
0: well look at you man you were you were a front office executive there executive is definitely
1: <laughs> is definitely going to I'm giving too you
0: far, some more credit. Come on. I'm yeah. trying to boost your ego.
1: It's there. it's not bad for someone who has never really played baseball in their life. I figured it out eventually. So um but on that, on Carl Edwards, I do want to transition to some thoughts on the bullpen. Um this has been obviously a, a focus of the offseason because they're they're you know kind of trying to piece this together and we have some some updates, some changes, etc., on on a few of these guys. So the update most recently on Brandon Morrow. This was from I believe today, yeah, this morning on six seventy the score. Uh, them tweeting out that Brandon Morrow expects to be throwing off a mound in about two weeks. Uh, Again, this was from this morning, Thursday, as we're recording this. Uh, And he says that he is in the final stages of his rehab. So that is good. Uh, Obviously, you know, still probably not ready for opening day. You know, we'll see if they send him out on a rehab start, if he does some sim games, whatever their plan is there. But, you know, they don't, Necessarily need him right away. I, I think they we've discussed that they should have the guys to handle the closer role. And if I'm the Cubs, correct me if I'm wrong, Brendan, but I want Brandon Morrow to be healthy when. Mm, yes, that's you, a good thing. Yes, you really need him. Um, yeah, obviously I want him to be healthy, but I, I think my focus would be longevity, and you know, can we have him available throughout the season and into the playoffs? Uh, you know rather than can we have him immediately I'm not really sure that that would be anybody's priority so that's good news he's he's getting yeah, there absolutely again we'll have to see when he does throw off a mound that everything is okay and all that but for now positive steps right uh, Mike Montgomery on March 4th through 29 pitches in two simulated innings this info again coming from Jordan Bastian from MOV.com Uh, He says his goal was just to come away feeling healthy and strong, which he did. So that, again, progressing nicely as well. So those are two good points. Uh, Brad Brock, who you'll remember that the Cubs signed this offseason, had his deal restructured. Uh, He had a viral infection uh, when they were going over the physical and all that. And I think the long and short of it, Brendan, is that the Cubs wanted to restructure it uh, just because that gave them a little bit of pause. Uh, they're not, you know, they wanted to cover their bases in case uh, something health-wise comes back uh, or, you know, he's not as effective, whatever, but it came up in the physical and it just restructured the deal. Really not that big of a deal. He pitched in the game on Wednesday, throwing an inning uh, of no run ball, no walks, one strikeout, allowing one hit. So they restructured the deal. Everybody's moved on. He's pitching for the Cubs, so that seems like making a making less
0: money too. I think the the guaranteed salary now is one point six five million or around that ballpark, um, with incentives that are not entirely clear. But it sounds as if he can make substantially more if he is indeed healthy. Yeah. So uh,
1: again, uh, you know, obviously, I am not not good that he had the viral infection, but seems to be over it. They've figured out what they needed to with the contract, and we're going to, you know, move on and proceed from there. Um, not as good of news. Uh, the lefty that the Cubs signed, uh, who was previously with the Milwaukee Brewers, Xavier Cedeno, uh once again, this coming from Jordan Bastian, uh, friend of the podcast, so we're probably going to defer mm-hmm. to him. He's he's our beat writer of the podcast, at least uh, until somebody wants to uh, jettison him from that position. But uh, on March 6th, Jordan tweeting that lefty Xavier Cedeno still shut down from throwing, but pitching coach Tommy Hadovy said there is still time to get him in enough games this spring, barring any other setbacks. So... Not great. This is a left wrist issue that he Mm -hmm. is dealing with. Um, Not great news, but again, you know, this is kind of why the Cubs put all these eggs in their bullpen basket, and you're kind of just hoping to find some that stick, right?
0: Yeah, I'm kind of disappointed with Cedeno just because he he looked interesting, and you know, there still are guys on the market, especially lefties, that may have made sense or may still make sense depending on what Theo decides to do. But, I mean, you look at someone like Tony Sipp, who's still on the market, Mm -hmm. who's had a successful career. He's a lefty, probably won't make that much money. Um, And so the Cubs, like, intentionally chose Cedeno for financial purposes, but he's still good. So that that one does suck. Um, And right now, like, time is his enemy. It's not like a terrible injury per se, but when you're competing for... A 40-man roster spot come opening day, and then of course a 25-man roster spot specifically, you need to play. And we're three weeks away from yeah. the season starting, and that that that's the part that sucks. So right now, like I would be really surprised if Cedeno is a cub come opening day. It's unfortunate, but that's just a reality of the situation right now, Corey.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, You know, you obviously want him to be healthy and getting the shot, but that that is part of the deal when you look at how this roster is structured and obviously who has you know kind of a guaranteed spot on this team you know, for a lot of these guys, this is their shot to kind of make their impression and, and break yep. camp with this club. So obviously being behind the eight ball is is not where you want to be. You know, and it, it, it goes back to what we were kind of discussing before. Like, I don't know what role they may anticipate for Tyler Chapwood going forward. Um, but, you know, in, in the game on Wednesday, he goes another three innings. He doesn't walk anybody. I don't believe he allowed any runs. He got two double plays. Like, you know, again, he looks good, right? And and he looks good. Yes, yeah. we have seen this movie before. I, I understand that. But again, you know, this is the progress that we have, right? I, I don't really see the point of relating it. But you know, because I hear this too. like Wilson continues to drive the ball in spring training. Uh, again, we're recording on Thursday, he had another hard hit double today to drive in a couple runs to start the scoring for the Cubs on Thursday afternoon. And, yep. you know, sometimes like one of the replies we get on Twitter is like, well, he did that last spring too. And then look what happened. And it's like, yeah, I know that. But like, this
0: is what we have,
1: right? Like, this is the baseball that they're playing.
0: Again, what do you want the alternative right. to be? Yeah, you I would to you rather be balls? hitting 100. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <No?
1: laughs> so this is what we got. It's it's progress. Let's let's build off of it, not worry about whether it meant anything in the past or whatever. But, but specifically on Chatwood and just getting back to that kind of thought on the bullpen, like when you have someone like Chatwood looking good, and again, I don't know what role they will anticipate for him going forward, you know, Montgomery getting back in the swing of things and you know, he's always been very productive for this team. Someone like Edwards, you know, looking good, looking like the the better version of himself. Someone like Maples that we've talked about a lot, you know, maybe finding something in, in a way to kind of rein in that command issue. Like you look at someone like Sedano and it's like you need you got to get out there and you got to make you an impression cuz other guys are are making impressions. And I'm not saying that, you know, Chatwood's gonna have X role or that Maples is gonna break camp with the team. I don't know. But they're, they're doing their thing. They're making improvements. And, you know, so I think that that's, that's, that's key. That's, that's what these opportunities
0: are for. So if you had to pick one guy from your no walk brigade mm-hmm. to actually turn it around, so we're talking about Maples, Edwards Jr. or uh, why am I forgetting the last name? Chatwood. Chatwood. So if you, had to pick, <laughs> if you had to pick one of those three to actually turn it around, who are you picking? Edwards, like if, like,
1: I think, is my, really? my gut so, reaction.
0: So, so basically, you're saying, okay, you know what? If Edwards is fine, then I can live without Chatwood ever being valuable or Maples ever, ever being valuable. That's, that's, your, oh, that's your final So pick. you're saying I get to pick one, not who do I think? No, you have to pick. Yeah, you have to, you, you,
1: you can pick one to be oh. successful. I might still pick Edwards, honestly, because, like, I think, you know, last year was more they had kind of planned on on Chatwood being in that rotation. Obviously, when Darvish gets hurt, you know, having Chatwood be not an absolute mess, I think, would have been more valuable to this team. But as we talked about, I just think, like, Carl, of that group especially, has, I think, the smallest hurdle to overcome. I think the command problems for the other two are... A substantial bit more, yeah substantial than For than sure. carl's uh but i also think that like and you know you could probably say this about maples but we just don't have the the sample to really confirm that at the major league level but we've talked about this before like carl when he's on and not in his head or dealing with these command issues and he injuries can be,
0: too he has some shoulder fatigue yeah, last year yeah
1: but he can be one of the best relievers in the league i, I mean he can be a top of the bullpen high leverage guy that you bring in in any situation and you know he he can be that guy that you bring in bases loaded no outs and it's not crazy to think he gets out of it because he can generate so many whiffs uh when he's going good so i I think i would pick edwards i think he's the most likely of that group to you know fix fix it and, and and rein in any issues that he may have And I think he would be my pick if I I had a choice. I just, because again, we've talked about this, like even if Chatwood is fixed, quote unquote, and you know, that's a kind of relative term. You can kind of take- You know know what I mean. mean, Yeah, for sure. But like, I, I still think they have kind of- an issue as to exactly how to deploy him. You know, we've kind of talked about the the potential situations, um, and I like the idea. I, I think I mentioned on the last show that I like the idea of, you know, maybe throwing out a sixth guy every now and again, not to piss John Lester off. I think he would be very mad at me for even suggesting that. But just, you know, give the guys one day extra every several turns through the rotation or something like that, and again, we've seen the value of the Cubs having reliable, lengthened-out relievers like Mike Montgomery sure. on this team before. So I think that there's roles for him to fit in, but like, if he was completely fixed, like I can go out there and throw six, seven innings, start the game, generate a lot of ground balls, get double plays, get whiffs, and not be putting you know five people on base— I, like, I'm not sure what they do with that. Like, what would they, I if he it. was completely fixed, Brendan, what yeah. exactly would
0: they do with him? Well, the way I imagine it, and by the way, my answer is Chatwood. So it's, it's a, it was very close with him and, and CJ, but I, I picked Chatwood for a few reasons. Brendan, Brendan will have a Tyler Chatwood jersey by the end of the year. That <laughs> That's going, my, that's not, my bold preseason prediction. Let's not go that far. If, well, if he fixes himself, maybe actually. But uh, here, here's why. One. He's going to be paid 13 million. Yes, that's fair. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, not that it has a, an effect this year per se. He's going to get paid regardless, but it gives him it gives the Cubs one more flexibility this year. I think come the trade deadline if if he's successful, because the the, the rotation is older, and I'm not saying that there is going to be an injury or things are going to happen that's not good, but to give the Cubs more depth by having Chatwood on the same level as Montgomery could give them more flexibility come the trade deadline. My second reason yeah. is the role, yes, is undefined, but look at what the Dodgers did the last two years. Not to say the Dodgers aren't Ugh, the prime Brendan. example. I know, what am I doing here right now? Well, How did I even get here? But the point I'm making is they utilize a lot of their quote-unquote reliever starters in mixed roles. Like Kenta Maeda split the year as a reliever. Yeah, so I can see the Cubs doing that. And I think ultimately, if Chatwood does get his field back, and let's say it is a full-time bullpen role, they're going to figure it out, whether that's the fifth inning or the seventh inning. If he's throwing strikes, if he's throwing 96 with that wicked cutter and slider, they're going to figure out a role for him. So I could even see him turning into a high-leverage reliever and not saying he is, and that's, that's way out there right now. He has a lot more... Steps to take to even get to that conversation. But in terms of, yeah, if I had to pick one or the other, I think Chatwood's value is more diverse. And I think it has a higher ceiling, so to speak. But if everything is constant and all the Cubs really need is to solidify that bullpen, I can see you picking CJ. Yeah, he's going to be your seventh or eighth inning guy, maybe even a closer option if he does take that next step. So it's a toss up. But ultimately, for those reasons, I got to go with Chatwood. That, that was a very compelling argument.
1: Normally, wow. uh, I'm going to,
0: I'm going to save this recording and just, yeah, normally
1: I'm not as like thoroughly convinced of something after wow. you, you throw out an argument, but that was, that was pretty good. So three I, years I, doing the podcast
0: this is the first time yeah. i ever convinced you.
1: Okay. I, I think that, uh, maybe I, I lean towards Edwards just because those times that he does come in and the command isn't there, they're so deflating and like depressing yeah, And I think you combine that with the uncertainty with Brandon Morrow and obviously the lack of like major additions to this bullpen. Oh, I get I, it. Trust me. Yeah, I, get I guess it. I would just feel way more comfortable if Carl is the best version of Carl, but that you, you do make uh, some really good points. And we saw this this last year with Chadwood. And again, I mentioned in a moment ago that he got a, a couple in his last outing the other day. But like, if he is able to lock in and they do put him in that bullpen role, like this guy's a ground ball machine,
0: right? And, and he, he throws gas, man, and yeah. he averages ninety four out of the rotation. You know, you go in the bullpen, you're up in that a right. mile, two miles per hour, so that makes a difference. And you, you know, you throw a guy
1: like that who can routinely get those ground balls. We've said this a million times, but you you throw that guy out there you let Javi do his thing behind him, whether he's at short, second, third, doesn't Forever. even make a difference. And yeah, yeah, you call it it right. Yeah. Ha, wherever <laughs> Javi may be, uh, he'll figure out a way to turn the double play. So yeah. Um, interesting. Uh, yeah. So but again, uh, we're we're all in on the, the no walk brigade. I'm a big fan. Uh, and I, I think, you know, it's just a little something to check-in-the-box scores, right? Like, you know, we're we're all not really big on these spring training games or, you know, digging into the numbers to necessarily an exhaustive degree. Because uh, if we were, I could be reading off some of these OPSs so far and, you know, getting way too excited for the fact that, you know, some of these guys uh, have these these spring numbers, but we're not going to do that. Um, but, you know, this is just something like, you know, yeah, I've been checking in the last couple days. Again, you know, seeing Edwards throw that change-up, seeing these guys not walk people. It's... Um, uh, interesting. It's exciting. It's, it's it's something to just keep an eye on. And another thing that I do want to uh, mention is that today, on Thursday, before Brendan and I recorded this, a one Nico Horner gets yes, into big league spring training Almost action.
0: About
1: that. And he goes three for three and drives in a run. He had an RBI single uh, in that first at bat. And that is... Exciting! I I I think obviously this is one of uh, if not the top prospect you know that the Cubs have depending on you know the list you're looking at and the the parameters you're using, um, but this is someone to definitely keep an eye on if you are not paying attention already. So to see, you know, someone like that get into big league camp and and you know make an impression and get some hits and get those you know kind of first accolades out of the way for Cactus League play is exciting. And, you know, I think we we I, we I always love uh, Theo's quote about the, the best, you know, farm system is when they're on the major league team with rings around their fingers. <laughs> and I think that it's, while that's obviously exciting and, and we love to point out, you know, how young some of the Cubs' talent is, how young someone like Ian Happ is and, and some of the stuff he's been able to do already – Always good to see that system replenishing in any way, right? The Cubs obviously do not have a top-rated system right now, but even even when those are, you know, that's the case. Seeing those next guys and and getting them into the
0: fold and seeing them with this group is exciting. Absolutely, and we have Todd Johnson, a Cubs insider who who does a great job following the minor leaguers, and of course you have Brian Smith. Uh, at Cubs Prospects, who's doing phenomenal work, but they'll be the first to tell you that, yes, the the system is not ranked as like a top 10 system, but that's because a lot of their current, quote-unquote, top prospects are right now 18, 19, 20, and they're in their lower levels, and we're finally seeing them shuttle through the system. But as far as Nico Horner goes, I'm not going to be surprised if he's called up this year. I, I, and I said this maybe a few months ago, but he's a college bat from Stanford, a history of success in college, a quick history of success in the AFL just this past October, and he's done nothing but hit. He had a few uh, small injuries that kind of sidetracked him, but he's following the same path as a lot of former prospects. Like, look at Schwarber, for example. I don't think any of us thought Schwarber would have been called up the time he was called up. And I think, what was that? That was 2015. Yeah, 2015. Wow, time goes by fast. But if you remember, the story around Schwarber at that time was, yeah, we're going to call him up. He's going to play just this weekend in Cleveland to DH, and then he's going to go back down. And guess what happened? He played a significant role that season. And Schwarber was drafted just a prior year, just like Horner was. So when people are saying, hey, you know, Horner, if he progresses through the system, I would not throw it by the Cubs to not call him up. And Ian to a little bit different, but you look at, again, just the, the history of this front office. They surprise us when they call up their guys, besides Rizzo, besides Bryant. Other than that, Schwarber was called up early, Hap was called up early, Addison Russell was called up early, and they eventually played significant roles that year when we least expected them to. And I'm not saying that, that Horner's going to do that, but if there's an injury, if if something, if Addison Russell does not work out this year, if Descalso does not live up to expectations, look, if Horner's hitting 350 down there in A in Tennessee, he may get a shot. And if, just like how we were cautioning spring training statistics, I don't really care. If Horner's out there looking good, if he's hitting line drives all over the place, looking healthy, taking pitches, hitting for power, Those are all good signs. And I think we should relish in that. I think we should be excited to see guys perform well in spring training. And that's why spring training is so fun to watch. And you can get tickets to spring training through SeatGeek because getting tickets online can be far too complicated. With hundreds of sites and varying levels of reliability, it's hard to know who to trust. That's why SeatGeek is the way to go. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats you want for a price you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way i found to shop for tickets. I just use SeatGeek to buy my spring training tickets. In about two weeks, my family uses SeatGeek to come out here from Chicago It's the best. It takes no more than five minutes to go on, find the ticket you want, buy them, done. Best of all, our listeners, you guys get $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app, enter promo code CUBSRELATED today. That's promo code CUBSRELATED for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event, we have the tickets. To go with that point as well, like Ian Happ last year, the reason he started at leadoff was because we all saw what was going on. He was hitting the hell out of the ball in spring training last year. Mm-hmm. Joe saw that, and not to throw spring training out of the value per, or out of the discussion per se, but coaches do see that, and those types of performances do make impressions on guys, and I can see Madden really liking yeah. what he sees from Horner and kind of, you know, with the front office, pushing them along the the fast track.
1: Yeah, well, and, you know, I think obviously with the middle infield situation, what it is, I think obviously he's an interesting guy to keep an eye on uh, because obviously no idea what anyone's expecting of Addison Russell when he's done serving his suspension. And, you know, they're going to try, I I would think, Ian Happ a little at second base. You're going to see Discalso there. You're going to see Ben Zobris there. You're going to see David Bodie there. But... You know, who knows how that actually shakes out. And, you know,
0: just, I mean, yeah, like what I'm saying is like, don't think that it's not a possibility because it is for sure a possibility. Yeah. He's in AFL. He succeeded. Same trajectory as Schwarber, same high hit tool, a good defensive floor. I could see it happening, Corey. I think it could happen sooner than we think. The only reason it would not happen is if the Cubs had so much success early on. And they may wait till September. That's the only reason why I think it could not happen. Or, God forbid, Horner just doesn't live up to expectations in AA. If he just does what he's, what he's continuing to do, I could see him like coming up even before September.
1: Yeah. And I just a quick aside, because you said something, I think, about Schwarber and, you know, how long ago that seems or, or, or how time flies and it.
0: Four years, man. Yeah, it
1: wow. reminded me of uh, uh, Randall Sanders, who we've mentioned on here before, uh, who's a good follow on Twitter. I believe his handle's at Randall J. Sanders. Uh, but he tweeted something this morning about how on, on the radio, somebody said that this was Chris Bryant's fifth season. And oh. I read that and I almost threw up. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> this is John Lesser's fifth season, too. Think about like, that.
1: Where is where is the time going like chris Uh, was chris was our baby boy you know and now he's like an mlb veteran but uh yeah we don't have to we don't have to think about that um i'm thinking about it (laughs) yeah sorry um but last thing here uh and then i think that's that's probably all we have for you. you guys are probably already regretting our decision to record twice a week you were like no you know what once was enough with these two, uh, you know, over a seven-day period. But looking at, I am looking at uh, a tweet from Bleacher Nation, uh, where he has the 2019 NL MVP odds, and this was on March 4th. So okay. just for fun, Brendan, just these are, sure. you know, I think, uh, I think the, either the first output of these odds or maybe the the first
0: update of the initial odds so obviously they are these uh these money lines are these like plus 450 that type of odds these are going to be are, odds uh two to these one, are odds like ten to one, like 10 one okay.
1: but you can convert okay. that if you'd like uh for the okay. the gamblers amongst you you can convert them however you so choose um, and these are from Bet Online. Uh, I think usually they're pretty close in terms of the different sports books, but either way, just for fun, taking a look at these, uh, just curious your thoughts. Maybe if anybody jumps out to you as, uh, the bet to make, uh, for the NLMVP, uh, and their favorite at Bet Online, and I believe was also the favorite, uh, at like the Westgate and other sports books. So it, he seems to be the choice. Uh, Bryce Harper the new Philly at four to one, Nolan Arenado, six to one, Paul Goldschmidt, boo, uh, nine to one. That's a very boring pick if you're going to go with that. Uh, and then the aforementioned young Chris Bryant at 12 to one tied with Manny Machado, the new Padre, uh, Christian Yelich, uh, 16 to one, the next cub on the list. There's a few guys in between, but I assume you guys don't really care about those people. Uh, Anthony Rizzo at twenty-five to one, and Javier Baez at thirty-three to one. There, I assume are deeper odds, but none. No other Cubs have anything lower than a fifty to one shot so they are not on this handy little picture that uh Brett tweeted out. So any anything jump out to you, anything seem egregious to you? I, I actually, you know what, I am gonna read the names uh, in front of Baez, just so that everybody has maybe a frame of reference of the players. <laughs> you could not help yourself. Well, I because now I'm thinking maybe it's worthwhile so that people know, like, who do they think is going to be uh, above them. But from Baez down, Baez at 33-1 to 1 is tied with Trevor Story, Justin Turner, and Joey Votto. In, Wait, what? I'm just reading the list, Brendan. don't shoot the message story is tied with javi bias according to this reading yes i saw i think on the Westgate's odds javi was 25 to one so not necessarily much of an improvement but on both of them i believe that rizzo was always the second lowest odds of any cub so um again those guys at 33 to one cody bellinger 28 to one then anthony rizzo at 25 to one Freddie Freeman and A. Eugenio Suarez, as Pat Hughes would say, <laughs> nice. twenty-two to one. Ronald Acuna Jr. of the Braves, Reese Hoskins, and Anthony Rendon all at twenty to one. And then I already read Yelich at sixteen, Machado and Bryant at twelve, etc.
0: First name that comes to mind actually is Christian Yelich. Sixteen to one is actually surprising to me. I thought he would be higher. Uh, so whatever Vegas has algorithmically going on over there doesn't seem too positive for Christian. By Hatch. higher you mean uh, more of the favorite, yes? What's that? By higher you mean more of a favorite. Yeah, yeah okay. I thought he would be like maybe like I don't know, like eight to one sure. or ten to one. He just won M V P last year. He's sixteen to one, that's surprising. Uh so yeah, whatever. Vegas has going on over there. the the Dodgers on this
1: podcast coming to the defense of Christian Yelich, I don't know what's going on here. This today, is but... this is
0: the gambling spirit ah, okay. inside that's me. That's fair. This is that's the, fair. Money money speaks objective right. uh, objective, especially in L.A. Brendan. rents high, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, other than that, I think that like Chris Bryant twelve to one is fair. Uh, that's a what fifth on the list if I'm not mistakenly uh, thinking about this. But I think yeah, fifth is or twelve to one seems about right. Javi is too low man. He's too low. I know the projections for him are variable, but I still think 33 to 1 tied with Trevor Story, that that's that's not accurate in in my eyes. So apparently people are betting too much on Trevor Story is what I'm taking out of that. And Rizzo 25 to 1 if I'm remembering that correctly, that that seems about right as well. With Rizzo, he just gets kind of downgraded because he's a first baseman, right? Like, you look at someone like Chris Bryant and even Javi and Yelich, those are premier positions. Center field, shortstop, third base to a degree. Bryant can play left field, right field, center field as well. Those are premium positions. First base is not. Um, If I had a bet on this, I I would not bet on Harper. I would not bet on Machado. I, I, I would go with Bryant. I really would. I would go with Bryant. Just because he has the positional flexibility, I think... His shoulder injuries are behind him. And if he can just return to his 2016 numbers, even 2017 numbers, that should be enough. So if I had to bet 12-1 to for Bryant, that's easy money. Yeah, I I mean, I think,
1: you know, we're all kind of on that. Chris Bryant revenge tour thing, so I think that's uh, I'm a good being objective one. Objective about this one. I like the like, cunha in there. Florida I think uh, you know they've yes, they've go got some him. interesting stuff going on there. I think he could be a, a sneaky pick, though. He's one of the you know uh, top guys in that list, so you're not exactly going to make too much money on that. Um, but yeah, I think on Rizzo, you know, and 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 the problem too with with first base is that first base, especially in the NL, is a crowded position, so it's tough right. to sometimes stand out amongst those guys you know because even if rizzo say drives in more runs than freddie freeman and joey Votto and, and paul goldschmidt you know does he hit more home runs than them how are they waiting the defense which usually and they're isn't, all good defensively yeah you know? right they're, they're all yeah. kind of hurt by the position that they play and it's Same just yeah it's it's a crowded it's a crowded position when you have do you disagree with yelich though with like like would I say disagree. I was surprised? know I mean well? I was surprised to see him that low. He he, yeah, he just won it, it. You would think that a guy that just won it would, uh, you know. I mean, I've said before I don't really buy him repeating exactly. Um, you know, he had an absolutely absurd end to the season. His home run per fly ball rate was around fifty percent, and so you know there's just a lot to repeat. You know that makes it hard. And I mean, even down the stretch, I mean there are, you know really. I think, what, probably not until early September, mid-September, whatever it was. Like, it was really, like, you could make a really compelling argument for both him and Baez, and it was really that last stretch that really kind of made it kind of unquestionably Yelich, I think, in most people's minds.
0: Um, But yeah. There was a point there, too. Like, I think I may have told you this, but early September, late August, I I told you straight up, Javi just won the MVP. Like, had not Yelich went off, Javi was a favorite not that this is saying hey I should go bet on a Javi bias for 2019 but it does put, put things into perspective just how crazy of a September that was for Yale and the Brewers in general. Ugh.
1: um yeah, but we don't have to talk about that anymore. But yeah. yeah, so some interesting names on there. I I yeah, I'm I'm a little surprised to see the company that Javi is keeping on that on that list um but he's a divisive player, uh, to both, you know, the 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 scouting eye and the statistics sometimes. You know, he's kind of a a difficult player for everybody to agree on but still I, I yeah i mean seeing him with trevor story and and being Come behind on. so many guys after you know really being very close to being the mvp um is interesting but yeah just wanted to uh throw those out there if you're heading to vegas you know and and want to get uh some of that money in obviously you guys uh you know now you know where to be looking but uh I think that's, that's all we got for you. Obviously, you know, this is a, a midweek episode, so while we're doing this, I'm constantly refreshing Twitter to make sure something major isn't happening while we're recording this. And uh
0: I take back my Trevor Story uh, comment. I didn't realize how great of a year he had last year. He batted 291, 37 homers, a 384 Woba, five, five, a 5-1 player. So I, I take that back. Well, I'm covering myself. Yeah. That's, a, that's a that's a crazy year. I didn't realize it was that good.
1: Well, regardless, he's not Javi Baez, and he never will be. So <laughs> that's that's something to keep in mind. I think the MVP uh, voters factor that in, right? Like, is this guy Javi Baez? Yes or no? It uh, be. I think it that, be that that's of one the of criteria. the one of the criteria that they vote on. But um, I believe, unless I am mistaken, that before you or after you guys listen to this on Friday morning. Or during, or whenever you guys uh, get that in there, we will. Oh no, we do not have you, Darvish, tomorrow on Friday, as I'm looking at the thing. So never mind on that. I was going to say, of course, Darvish would be the one starting uh, after we record the podcast. So if he's, you know, lights out again or something, we won't be able to talk about it until Monday morning. But either way, um, we're gonna, you know, again, keep an eye on on the No Walk Brigade, and and hopefully I didn't jinx him. We talked about Chatwood. The last time he got through an outing, and then he came back again in between podcasts and didn't walk anybody. So I think safe to say that we're not jinxing anybody. But if Dylan Maples and Carl Edwards Jr. come out in Friday's game and both walk someone, you can tweet at me. I'll I'll wear that badge and yeah, I'll be fault. I'll be upset. I mean I I you know I'll be upset about it too. So, but I yeah I guess I would have to kind of take the blame for specifically grouping them together if uh, something happened with them. But. Otherwise, uh, you know, we, as always, will talk to you guys on Monday. We'll record on Sunday evening or Sunday afternoon and catch up on whatever has happened in the meantime. But again, we are about exactly three weeks from the Chicago Cubs and Texas Rangers taking the field in Arlington for regular season baseball. So enjoy these last few weeks of spring training. Keep an eye on. The, the the young guys, the veterans and, and how everybody's progressing as we get towards opening day because again, we are about three weeks from strapping it on and going, folks. So uh for those of you like Brendan and I, we've got about three weeks before the anxiety kicks in and, you know, we're oh, yeah. obsessing over everything. More like and... more like
0: a week and a half probably. Then the anxiety <laughs> start to kick in.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um yeah. yeah. So again, try to enjoy the relaxing cactus league no stakes baseball that we have for a few more weeks here before uh, things really kick into gear because as all of the projections have told us right because of course we have to listen to those uh, this division is going to be tight so really from day one it's going to be about avoiding a situation that the Cubs found themselves in last year which was playing in game 163. So I think uh, a big part of the mantra coming out of the Cubs clubhouse is day one, foot on the gas. Yeah, that's it. Straightforward until this division is ours once again. So again, as always, we thank you guys for listening and uh, whether they are continuing to play spring training games and we're focused on whether guys are walking people or not, or they are playing in Arlington on opening day, Go Cubs.